Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. 
I'm your host and friend, Reverend Shar McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenth of the Sunday as a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All feasts are welcome. I am a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible. And, of course, you can use any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences and many miracles in my life, and in gratitude, we will have ongoing Bible readings and discussion of our spiritual experiences if you want to. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. So let's now just do our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide, and we believe that uh, we believe in their freedom to worship. However, across the world, there's a hatred going on towards Christians. It's always been, has been that way. Dear God, help them, and please protect those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body, those who are lonely and uncomforted, and we ask God to please forgive us our sins in the name of Jesus. We pray for the suffering from domestic violence in their own home, and we also pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil, protect lives that are taken for distorted and evil reasons. And dear Heavenly Father, our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. And we also pray for the, the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries of problems of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And everyone in their families are in our prayers, that your needs be met and that you stay safe and healthy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, you can get you, if you don't have a Bible there with you, you can go actually go to www.biblia.com and there's an online Bible. And then we're studying Second Timothy chapter one, and uh, so you can start looking up that right now. As I wish everybody a beautiful and blessed birthday and a very prosperous year, um, year ahead. And also for those having anniversary and any special occasion. We give you our best, and uh, God bless you very much. And then uh, the opening music was by Savi Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Savi. And if you want to order a copy, contact Savi.org, and they are on Facebook, and they do live shows. And you can also listen to them on YouTube for free, and they also have a CD on Amazon. That's where I got mine. Anyway, so uh, if you have a special prayer request or anything like that, just let me know. So now... Let's read the from schmoop.com. We have the summary, and it's the famous summary that uh, uh, they're telling the truth. They're Harvard students, you know, however they say it in a funny way. Anyway, so let's read the summary, and then we're going to go ahead and read the chapter and then the notes. Second Timothy chapter 1, doing time for Jesus. It's Paul again writing it another letter to his favorite co-worker in Christ. Shush, don't tell Titus. 
Paul tells Timothy that he prays for him all the time and really wants to get together very soon. Those people call your people, Timothy. Oh, and he's always happy when he thinks of Timothy's grandma, Lois, and his mom, Eunice, who are both faithful Christians, too. Even though Paul's in prison right now, yeah, he went to prison a lot, he tells Timothy not to be embarrassed that he's in the slammer. In fact, Timothy should suffer with Paul. Sounds like fun, huh? After all, that's what God wants. That's why he sent Jesus to save the world and kicks death's butt so that everyone could live with God forever. In a nutshell, that's why God sent Paul to preach the word. And that's why he's always going through tough times because it, he isn't well, well received, or if he is. Anyway, Paul's not worried. He knows that his faith in Jesus and that things will work out okay in the end. And everyone else can be saved, too, if only they follow the right teachings. Hint, these are the ones from Paul. Of course, anyone who goes the other way won't be so lucky. We're looking at you, Tligus and Hemogenes. Paul knows what you did last summer, guys. And, but Honest Phosphorus, I can't pronounce that one, is the best. He found Paul while he was in prison and in Rome, and this has helped him out quite a bit. So anyway, so let's turn to our Bibles now. As we and we read it from the book itself, so I personally found my Ryrie Study Bible on the street. Somebody threw it away, and that's why I picked it up and started reading it. And now I'm on my second copy of the Ryrie Study Bible, so that's why I read it personally. So let's go ahead to read the first Second Timothy introduction, authorship introduction to First Timothy, and it's by Paul. And the date is 67. Background. Uh, Let's see. Paul in prison in Rome as a result of persecution under Nero realized when he he wrote this letter that his death was near. Alone and cold in his dungeon, the veteran missionary wrote his young son in the faith intensely personal letter. Soon after, according to tradition, he was beheaded on the Ostian Way west of Rome. Oh, my goodness. Contents. The theme may have taken may have been taken from two three, a good soldier in Christ. Important subjects mentioned in the apostasy of the last days, and the inspiration of the scriptures and the crown of righteousness. Okay, so this second letter letter to Paul from Timothy, from of Paul to Timothy. Salutation. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus and the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dealt with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as his prisoner, but join me with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace, which is granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Okay, let's read that one again, because this is very important. So we're now we're on a uh, second letter to Timothy, and we're on, uh, uh, let's see, 9, verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but in accordance with his own purpose and grace, which was granted in us, Christ Jesus, for, from all eternity. But now it has been revealed by appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and a, an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer through these these same things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, then call to faithfulness on 13 now. Retain the standard of your sound words, which you have heard from me, in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which you have been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in the Asia, in Asia turned away from me, and among whom are Phygelius and Hermones, Hermones. And the Lord grant mercy to the house of the Onesphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. Now 18, the Lord grant him to find mercy in the Lord of that day. And you know very well that what services he rendered at Ephesus. So just sad knowing it's going to happen soon. So um, let's read uh, the notes. And And it says, Jesus Christ is in union with Christ Jesus. Paul, Jewish forefathers, taught him to serve the true God. In your tears, possibly or shed at some parting, such as in Acts 20 or 37, or perhaps a reference to the tear, tears Paul knows Timothy has, got, has shed in the course of his service with Christ. Lois is mentioned nowhere else. Your mother Eunice, and apparently both women were converted into Paul's ministry. Paul has evidently included the elders on ordaining Timothy and Timothy's responsibility to keep rekindling his spiritual gift and then timidity. Uh, the, the believers are to not have fear, but just have a sense of awe and not cowardice. And then um, testifying, including by the suffering of our Lord, and made an eternity past, and God's plan for salvation was revealed in the incarnation of Christ. And then one twelve, whom I believed, on those uh, trusted in worthiness, I have staked my faith. What I have entrusted, that and then so literally it means the deposit. Paul's trust is well founded, for God will re- preserve his deposit of faith in Christ until the day of judgment, when all dangers will be passed. And some understand this to refer uh, to. A God's deposit of gifts in Paul's life. And then sound words are healthy teaching, and uh, the treasure is a good deposit, and all who are in Asia. Some, some who could have helped Paul apparently had declined to do so. 
Asia was the Roman province embraced by the western part of what is now known as Asia Minor. And Timothy was in uh, Ephesus as the capital. And Tigerius and Hermogenes were a special uh, disappointment to Paul and were known to Timothy. And then at the end, he's talking about Ostophonus, who had ministered to Paul in Ephesus, sought him out in the dungeon where Paul was confined in Rome and ministered to him. So he didn't leave him alone when he's in prison. So I was a little tongue-tied trying to read that. Um, but I assure you, that we'll keep marching on and uh, keep reading in our Bible and... Uh, as we uh, learn that uh, Paul will soon be uh, martyred. And um, this, this, what can we read? I read out of my friend uh, Terry Johnson Weber, her tug of war book about uh, trusting God to the unexplained. And um, she had many experiences. Um, I have C.S. Lewis here to read. Okay, let's read C.S. Lewis. So this was from his book, The Business of Heaven, Daily Readings from C.S. Lewis. And I found myself on page 277, and it's November 6th, the beginning of the church. People already knew about God in a vague way. Then came a man who claimed to be God, and yet he was not the sort of man you would dismiss as a lunatic. He made them believe him. They met him again after they had seen him killed. And then, after they had been formed into a little society or community, they found God somehow inside them as well, directing them and making them able to do things they could not do before. And when they had worked it all out, they found out they had arrived at the Christian definition of the three-personal God. When you come to knowing God, the initiative lies on his side. But if he does not show himself, nothing you can do will enable you to find him. In fact, he, he... shows much more of himself to people, uh, to some people rather than to others. Not because he has favorites, but because it's impossible for him to show himself to a man whose whole mind and character are in the wrong condition. Just as sunlight, though there is no favorites, cannot be re- uh, reflected in a dusty mirror as, clear, as clearly as a clean one, God can show himself as real as really as he is uh, only to real men, and that means not simply to men who are individually good, but to men who are united together in a body, loving one another, helping one another, and showing him to one another. And for that was God meant uh, by humanity to be like and like players in one hand, band, and or organs in one body. Okay, let's do um, let's do beyond personality. A good many people nowadays say, I believe in a God, but not in a personal God. They feel that the mysterious something which is, which is behind all things must be more than a person. Now, the Christians quite agree, but the Christians are the only people who offer any idea of what it's like being beyond personality could be like. All the other people, though they say God, that God is beyond personality, really think of him as something impersonal, that is, as something less than personal. And if you are looking for something super personal, something more than a person, then it is not a question of choosing between the Christian idea and other ideas. The Christian idea is the only one on the market. 
Again, some people think that after this life, or perhaps after several lives, human souls will be absorbed into God. But when they try to explain what they mean, they seem to be thinking of our being absorbed into God as one material thing is absorbed into another. They say that it is like a drop of water slipping into the sea. Of course, that is the end of the drop. If that is what happens to us, then being absorbed is the same as ceasing to exist. It is only the Christians who have any idea of how human souls can be taken into the life of God yet remain themselves. In fact, be very much more themselves than they were before. And I do agree with this and find this to be true because I had a a vision of sorts one time. And we are a personality and created one individual for all eternity. Yet God knows each one of us and he lets us be ourselves. You know, as we go to him, we go back um, out into the eternity. You know, there is no death, but our soul just moves on. I don't know to where, but I know that our individuality is still intact. And I think God loves each one of us like that. He would not mix us in some kind of soup or a soup of the soul with everybody else's soul. We all stay individual out carrying out what we're supposed to be doing. And... Um, Let's read another one. The moral law is universal. The Chinese speak of a great thing. The greatest thing is called Tao. It is reality beyond all predictives and the abyss that was before the creator himself. It is nature. It is the way and it's the road. It is the way in which the universe goes on. The way in which things everlastingly emerge stilly and tranquilly into space and time. It is also the way which... Every man should tread in imitation of what the cosmic and supercosmic progression, conforming all activities to that great exemplar. In ritual, they say the analytics. It is harmony with nature that is prized. The ancient Jews likewise praise the law as being true. This conception in all its forms, Platonic, Aristotelian, Stoic, Christian, and Oriental alike, I I shall henceforth refer to its brevity simply as a Tao. It is the doctrine of objective value and the belief that certain attitudes are really true and others are really false to the kind of thing that the universe is and the kind of things uh, that things we are. Those who know the Tao can hold that to call children delightful or old men vulnerable is not simply a record of a psychological fact about their own parental or Lilial emotions in that moment, but to recognize the quality which demands a certain response from us, whether we make it or not. And because of our approvals and disapprovals, we are thus recognitions of objective value or responses to an objective order. Therefore, emotional states can be in harmony with reason when we feel like feel liking for what ought to be approved or out of harmony with reason. When we perceive that his liking, liking is due, but cannot feel it, no emotion is in itself a judgment. In that sense of all emotions and sentiments are logical, but they can be reasonable or unreasonable as they conform to the reason or fail to conform. The heart never takes the place of the head, but it can and should obey it. True. He's a very studied and learned man, and we can read his stuff and sometimes uh, don't even understand it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, two kinds of people in the end. He says there are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done, 
and those whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. All that are in hell choose it. Without the self-choice, there would be could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, it is opened. Okay, let's see another one. Okay, predictions of the second coming. Many people find it difficult to believe in this great event without trying to guess its date or even without accepting as an certainty that the date that any quack or hysteric offers them. To write a history of all those ex- exploded predictions would need a book, and a sad, sordid, tragical, comical book it would be. One such prediction was circulating when St. Paul wrote the second letter to the Thessalonians, which we have read, and someone who had told them that the day was at hand. This was apparently having the result which such predictions usually have. People were idling and playing like the busybody. One of the most famous and predictions was that of poor William Miller in 1843. Miller, whom I take to have been an honest fanatic, dated the second coming to the year, the day, and the very minute. Timely comet fostered that delusion. Thousands waited for the Lord at midnight, March 21st, and went home to late breakfast on the 22nd, followed by the jeers of a drunkard. Clearly, no one wishes to say anything that will reawaken such a mass hysteria. You must never speak to the simple, excitable people about the day without emphasizing again and again of the utter impossibility of prediction. You must try to show them that the impossibility is an essential part of the doctrine. If you do not believe our Lord's words, then why do you believe in his return at all? And if you do believe in them, must you not put away from you utterly and forever any hope of dating that return? His teaching on the subject quite clearly consisted of three propositions. One, that he will certainly return. Two, that we cannot possibly find out when. And three, that therefore we must always be ready for him. That's that's short and sweet, and that's uh, that is the truth. So let's see. I want to find another one. Okay, it says other religions. If you're a Christian, do not simply have to believe in all that other religions are simply wrong all through. If you're an atheist, you do have to believe that the main point is in all religions in the world is simply one huge mistake. And if you're a Christian, you're free to think that all religions, even the queerest ones, contain at least somewhat hidden in the truth. When I was an atheist, I had tried to persuade myself that most of the human race have always been wrong about the question that mattered to them the most. When I became a Christian, I was able to take a more liberal view. But of course, being a Christian does not mean thinking that where Christianity differs from any other religion. Christianity is right and they are wrong. It, as in arithmetic, there is only one right answer to a sum, and all other answers are wrong. But some of the wrong answers are much nearer to being right than others. Interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so let's read uh, No Halfway House. There is no halfway house and there is no parallel in other religions. If you have gone to Buddha and asked him, are you the son of Brahma? He would have said, my son, you are still in the veil of illusion. 
And if you had gone to Socrates and asked, are you Zeus? He would have laughed at you. And if you had gone to Muhammad and asked, are you Allah? You would first rend his clothes and then cut your head off. If you had, gosh, if you had asked uh, Confucius, are you, are you heaven? I think you would probably replied, remarks which are not in accordance with nature are in a bad taste. The idea of a great moral teacher saying that Christ said, out of, is it, was the right Christ said, is that out of the question? In my opinion, the only person who can say that sort of thing is either God or a complete lunatic suffering from a form of delusion, which undermines the whole mind of man. Anyway, if you think that you are a poached egg, then you are looking for a piece of toast to suit you. You may be sane, but if you think you are God, there's no chance for you. You may note in passing that he is never regarded as a mere moral teacher. He did not produce the effect on any of the people he actually met. He produced mainly three effects, hatred, terror, and adoration. There's no trace of people expressing mild approval. So I guess you have to either believe or unbelieve it's either hot or cold. And that's usually what this uh, discussion has meant. But anyway, I just want to thank you all for tuning in again this morning and helping learn something while we're here. And uh, I want to say God bless you. And uh, we wish for you uh, all the love and tenderness that you deserve. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms. That you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Just remember, you're never alone. I love you, and may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. You may message me with any concerns, or or you want to just talk, or come back next week, and we'll have another uh, chapter in Second Timothy, chapter two. See you later. Bye bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.